folks. Uh, thanks again for joining us on Liberty Grace Online. Been uh, really affected and thinking deeply uh, about the impact of all of the things going on in our world right now. It's a heaviness that weighs on us all, I'm sure. Um, grieved is actually a word that comes to the forefront of my mind a lot these days, just the grief that we all share in common for some of the things that have been lost, some of the opportunities that we feel have been missed, some of the loved ones that, that we have lost physically, some of the pain that has been inflicted by injustice and by pain uh, around our world from the misuse of authority, the opportunity we have as believers um, is reflected in what we're going to talk about today. As I was looking at the Mark chapter 2, it led me to believe that there's no mistake why we are here in this moment in Mark chapter 2. It's one of my one of my favorite passages to share, there's just so many things here to, to center us on Jesus and to help us stay focused and, and gives us an insight into his love for people and his true desire to change their, their spiritual condition um, that I find that there's no mistake that we're here right now that we have an opportunity to, to look at Mark chapter 2, and we're going to start with verses 1 through 5 and understand a little bit about what is going on in Jesus' day as he continues to be pressed in on all sides by people that, that know what he's capable of doing, and, and they're coming to see him, and they're being drawn to him, and we find him again in Mark chapter 2, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing a paralyzed man, carried by four of them, since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I've used this passage a number of times and, and continually reiterate that I'm sure that these men knew of the physical pain of this man. And as they entered this house, they, they tore apart the thatching of the roof and they lowered him down. And to hear Jesus say, your sins are forgiven, I'm sure was perplexing to them. They were left in a state of misunderstanding, I'm sure, momentarily, and, and the religious leaders we're going to read later were also shocked. They were 
concerned that Jesus was claiming to be something more powerful than just a physical healer, that he had the ability to change people's spiritual condition. And it's those couple of pieces that we're going to have to wrestle with here, just as all of the participants in the story did. So these men had a relationship of depth with this paralyzed man. There's no doubt about that, right? Because you don't just casually pick somebody up and carry them somewhere, let alone tear through a roof to get this person in front of where they think the most help is available. They had to kind of go through this process and they had to have a relationship of depth with this man that led them to, first of all, recognize his pain. They recognized his physical pain, yes. They saw that that he was unable to complete what it was that they felt he was supposed to be doing on a daily basis. To be able to get up and do the work that was necessary for him to maybe provide for his family. That, That he had to lay on this mat all day long. They had a relationship with him that drew them into a recognition of his pain. The first step in even dealing with some of the things that are going on in our world is to recognize the pain of others. These men do that. They they not only recognize the pain, but then they, they allow it to motivate them to help. They don't just acknowledge that there's something wrong, that something should be done, but they begin to build this motivation in their spirit. And who knows how long it took? Who knows how long they knew this man? But the motivation builds and builds and builds until they're so motivated to help that they're, that they're mobilized, that, that they not only recognize his pain, they're motivated by, by helping him, but they mobilize it into action. They don't just sit with him. They don't just spend time with him, but they get his mat, the four of them, right, picking up a corner as the way I see it, right? There's four of them, and so I'm seeing this, this kind of rectangular mat that he's been laid on, and these four men, one at each corner, pick up this mat because they recognize his pain, they're motivated to help, and now they're mobilized to action. And they carry him to Jesus, They hear about what Jesus has been doing throughout the region. They think this is the way that that our friend can most be helped. And as they carry him, I'm sure it's not easy. If you've ever tried to to carry something in this manner, uh, it's not easy to balance it, to to work in concert with the other three that are carrying this load. It takes effort. That alone should, should inspire us a bit to think differently about the relationships we have and, and the people that we care for. But, but not only that, but, but when they got to this house, it says there were so many people that, that there was not even any room outside of the house, right? That there was no room left, not even outside the door. So, so there were people jam-packed into this house 
Now, homes weren't real big back then, okay? Don't imagine like an entire courtyard of people, but, but there were enough people slammed into this room that there was no room, and then there were people packed at the doorways just to hear and see what Jesus was teaching. There were so many people that these men felt like there was no other option but to climb up onto the top of this house, to start to tear away the very fabric of the roof and to take this man up to the roof and then lower him down to get the help that, that he so desperately needed. These men recognized the pain that their friend was in. They allowed that to be their motivation. They mobilized into action. They, they did something about it. And when they encountered an obstacle, they minimized that obstacle by, by understanding how powerful Jesus was. They held up that obstacle that, okay, we can't get to him physically right now because of this crowd, but they minimized the effort that it was going to take by holding it up to the power of who Jesus is. This is so important for his life that nothing physical is going to stop us from getting him in front of Jesus. They recognized his pain. They allowed it to motivate him. They mobilized into action. And then when they, can, when they encountered an obstacle, they minimized it because it was so important for their friend to get to Jesus that no obstacle was too big. I've done this passage, like I said, a number of times, and I love the story because I love the picture of unity that, that, that comes. I'm a consensus-building guy that we need to focus on what's really important in times of pain and struggle. We need to focus on the things that unite us and bring us together to accomplish what God has given us to do. And this is such a beautiful picture of it. And, and Many of the stories that we're going to read in Mark are similar in the fact that there's someone who has a need and comes to Jesus and their faith heals them. It says, usually Jesus looks at the person and says, your faith has healed you. And that's always impressed me that, that it was a matter of that person's heart and their relationship and their faith in Jesus that changed their circumstance. And as I was reading this one, I, I was struck by the fact that in all of the versions that I looked at, New Living, NIV, ESV, several of these versions that I read, just to be sure, and I read my concordances and things, and I looked at this word because it says here in Mark 5, Mark chapter 2, verse 5, that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. This was a cooperative effort. And Jesus didn't just look at the man on the mat and say, My son, your sins are forgiven because of your faith. But he looks at the power of the group. 
He looks at, at the, the guy laying on the mat and he's looking up at the ceiling, right? And he, he says, you know, because he sees their faith, the unity that they all possess, that, that somebody recognized that Jesus could help. They allowed it to motivate them and they did something about it. And no matter what the obstacle was, they overcame it to get somebody to Jesus. And their faith, their collective, that word plural there, their faith was what Jesus talked about here in front of these people. To me, it's important that we understand that picture of this. It was something that, that yeah, I've read this number of times, but when I read that word, I thought, wow, how impressive is it when it's a collective faith? When people see a group of people united by their common faith in who Jesus is. Isn't that what it really is all about? Right now, I feel like our world, and, and even I have been to an extent, paralyzed. Our world is paralyzed by, by fear, right? By grief, by the pain that comes from all of the things that are broken in our world. And we want those physical realities to change just as much as these men did for their friend. They, they want this pain to end. They want the grief to stop. They want things to be fixed. And, and so they decide to motivate themselves by, by that pain, by that grief, and mobilize to go to Jesus. And Jesus then says, your sins are forgiven. It's important, church, that we remember how important that peace is before we think about fixing some of the physical things that are wrong in our world. That there is a spiritual condition that underlies all of this pain. That sin exists in our world. And yes, we're paralyzed by fear and by grief and by pain. But first thing that Jesus does here is he deals with the spiritual sickness that underlies the physical manifestation. Now, the man wasn't paralyzed because of his sin. But sin entering our world in Genesis, when, when Adam and Eve brought sin into our world and every man after that has heaped on his amount of sin, it has broken our world. And Jesus deals first in this situation with spiritual sickness, teaching us really how important it is showing us firsthand that, that he knows this man is paralyzed, that these men and their faith brought them to him to fix his physical condition, but he wants to reward their spiritual obedience first and say, your faith in me, in who I am, and your belief that I can do this and I've been given the power by God over this physical world, your faith 
has given you eternity. Your sins are forgiven. When you go on and the teachers of the law, those that had studied most closely those writings of Moses and those things that have been passed on through customary uh, word of mouth, in verse 6, the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit what, what it was that they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of all of them, and this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. God showed up in a physical way here clearly, but it was in response to what the Pharisees were doubting, right? Everyone in that room was perplexed because Jesus had been a healer. He had been a guy that had taught in the synagogues. He had done these things that were miraculous around them. And the first thing that he says to this man, who's obviously paralyzed and his pain is clearly visible, these men that have torn through the roof have allowed themselves to be drawn into that and done something about it. And he looks at this man and says, Your sins are forgiven. The physical change that, that Jesus orchestrates is to represent, yes, I have power over this physical world, but understand I have power that far exceeds this world. Because he was God. The very thing that they begin to question, who can forgive sins but God alone, Jesus was saying, yes, you're getting it. I am here for your sake, for your eternity. And, and you're going to miss it if all you're looking for is for me to change the reality of your circumstance. That physical change was just a tangible reminder of this man's faith and that of his friends. The fact that this man was no longer paralyzed when he left was just a physical reminder of what Jesus had said first. Their faith was so refreshing to Jesus our Lord that he forgave their sins and gave them a physical reminder of his power. Now, those two things don't always go hand in hand. But pain and the physical body that we possess 
is a temporary thing. And this story is about Jesus reminding us that the obedience in our hearts is going to lead to a real change, not only for this man's life or our life as we live it out, but for eternity. That our faith, our, the obedience in our hearts to, to respond to pain, to be motivated by it, to allow ourselves to be mobilized into action in our world. And when we face an obstacle, we minimize it by understanding how great and powerful our God is. We don't have to be paralyzed by the physical circumstances of our world. We have the hope that eternity is coming when there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more disease, no more affliction. That is yet to come. That's where our hope is. And that's what Jesus was saying. Yes, I want you to see on a daily basis the physical manifestation, but I want you to know that it was your heart change that precipitated some of those things. That me forgiving your sins was the most paramount thing that I could do as God in the flesh. That that's the most powerful thing that I could do for you. As we read on in Mark chapter 2, the next story is one that is also familiar. And we find Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners, as they're called. Those that are, that are still not in faith with Jesus. They've not come to an understanding of who he is. So he is eating with these folks, and at the very end of the story, Jesus' own words reiterate how important his mission really was and why he was here. When everyone starts to question what's going on in Jesus' ministry, why are you spending time with these kinds of folks? Jesus says this in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to not to call the righteous, but the sinners. I am really excited that we have an opportunity to get back together as a body. That as we collectively gather and, and as we see images like this, people flocking around Jesus with such zealous, that such, such vigor that they, they can't even all get inside of the door. And then these men come and tear the roof off just to get close to who Jesus is. I'm excited about that, but... More importantly, the mission of the church didn't stop just because we weren't able to meet in person. That we have these opportunities to, to build into the relationships that we have and recognize other people's pain, and our world has been full of it right now. Has it allowed you to become motivated? Has someone else's pain motivated you and will it motivate you enough that you are mobilized to action? Because as we get back together as a church, 
Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's great that we get together and we celebrate what God has done as a group of believers, but, but the word of God is powerful in people's lives. And as they see us come together, that our faith, just like this group of men, their faith is important for people to see. And it changes their eternity. But if we never engage in people's pain, if we never carry them to Jesus, if we never invite them to church, if we never engage them in a relationship of spiritual depth, then I think we come up short. It's important that we, as a church, take this opportunity to cast off some of the, the things that have held us back. The way that people will think about us, our agendas, to get back to thinking about what it is that Jesus was really about. And in Jesus' own words, right here in Mark chapter 2, in such a time as we sit right now, it's incredibly pertinent, right? Right? It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Those that are struggling with the pain that we can be motivated to help, that we be mobilized into action, that we draw them into a relationship with Jesus. And our unity together, the time that we spend together unifying around the purposes of Jesus is going to be incredibly important in the upcoming days. And when we face obstacles, and you know we will, it's important for us to physically demonstrate to people how critical it is for us to take that obstacle and turn it over to God and say, God, I know you're bigger than this. I know that you have something that you want to do in this circumstance. And how powerful would it be, right, for the world to see some of the physical changes in our lives manifesting the fact that we know our eternity is secure. Once your eternity is secure, it should change the way you live your life. Wouldn't it be such a powerful thing to hear Jesus say those words that he said to these men, that Jesus saw their faith. He saw it. He didn't have to, to read between the lines that Jesus saw their faith. Church, this is what we get to do. It's important that we understand each other, that we love each other, that we share one another's burdens, that we learn how to do this in a way that physically represents Jesus to people in our world that we bind together to carry people who are paralyzed by their pain, by their fear, by their physical circumstance, that we take them to Jesus, that we don't try to fix it for them, but that we introduce them, that we put them in a circumstance where the one who changes all things for the good has an opportunity to do what he is good at. If you take away one phrase 
I want you to think this week about Jesus, right? When Jesus saw their faith. Allow that to motivate you, to mobilize you. Allow it to to give you the strength to minimize the obstacles you find this week. Father, I pray that you would be doing things in our hearts that unite us. That in a world where it's so easily to find so easily to find things that separate us, that divide us, that, that to divide ourselves into smaller and smaller groups based upon how we see things. That's an easy thing to do. Lord, I pray that we lay all of our personal opinion and pride aside, that we listen to one another's pain, that we allow it to motivate real and lasting action and change in our hearts, and that we come together in a spirit of unity, and that we get to hear from you that you have seen our faith. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.